Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for another Tuesday morning episode. Today, I am very excited to share an interview that I did over the summer with author KJ Delantonia, who wrote The Chicken Sisters and In Her Boots. If you have never read a KJ Delantonia book, I highly recommend that you pick one up because she is amazing. And this interview was a ton of fun. So once you hear the interview, definitely keep listening for a guide to some of this week's new releases. Let's get right into it. We'll start as always with the housekeeping information and then get right into the meat of the episode. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am delighted to welcome author KJ Delantonia back to the podcast. We are talking about her second novel today. This is In Her Boots. It was released here in the U.S. on July 5th. Thank you so much for agreeing to come back to talk to me today. Thank you. I'm beyond thrilled to be back. Can we start with a brief introduction to In Her Boots so that listeners can have a bit of an idea what to expect? We can try. It has a very <laughs> complicated plot, um, which is, is just kind of bonkers because it's actually this very internal story, but there's a lot going on in my protagonist's life. It's true. So um, I, off, I always like to say, that uh, this is the story of the adult you think you've grown into and the child your mother will always see when she looks at you and your horrible fear that your mother is right. Um, but it is also the story of Rhett Gallagher who has made a completely non-her mother friendly life for herself as a solo feminist adventure traveler. She is an influencer. She is well known. Um, she's sort of the, the voice for, for women who want to travel the world um, by themselves, but she's done all of this under a pseudonym and without ever putting her own face out into her so social media world. So when it comes time for her to kind of um, uh, settle that 
person down and come home and hopefully inherit her family farm and, and change her life, her best friend encourages her to also step into her identity as the as the, the person behind the modern pioneer girl who is the, the solo traveler. So she's all ready to do this and she's been invited to be on the Today Show, which is every author's dream. Um, she's going to give advice to college graduates because she's super popular among that age group and she goes to uh, step on the Today Show's stage, essentially, and here's the voice of the other guest, and it is her mother. Oh. And the one, yeah, and the one person she cannot be herself in front of ever in her own mind is her mother. But fortunately, from Rhett's perspective, since no one actually knows who the modern pioneer girl is, she can just yank her best friend, who's always camera ready, um, over and say, this is her and her best friend, Jasmine, for reasons of her own, uh, accepts this challenge. And this should just be a prank. I mean, this is the first, this is all in the first few pages of the novel, right? It should be just a one-off. This they're, they're kind of well-known as friends for stupid pranks. This is the kind of thing that they would absolutely just do. The complication is that when Rhett gets home to inherit her farm, it turns out to be her mom's choice, pretty much whether or not she can inherit this place. And her mother's impression of her in the last 20 years of her life is that she has not done very much. And her mother doesn't think she's able to take this over, thinks that taking it over will ruin her daughter's life, actually, really doesn't want her to do it for excellent reasons from Margaret's point of view. But the person she is super impressed with is whoever wrote that book. <laughs> And so, yeah, it, it takes off from there and, and it's, um, it's really fun. But what it really is, is the story of um, uh, Rhett, who is every bit as uh, fabulous and amazing as she has sort of created her persona to be. She has done all these things. She just doesn't believe in that piece of herself. So this is the story of her um, figuring out who to how to be who she really is with her mother and also with um, everyone else in her life. I have to say, I was a little bit afraid to read this because when I read The Chicken Sisters, I loved it so incredibly much. And I'm always worried when people write a second book, I'm like, oh, but like, what if, what if it's not as good? You know, what if, like, what if I can't get invested in it? Like, what if it just doesn't have that spark? And so I was really worried about that with this one um, because the Chicken Sisters, I thought was such a, a special book, um, not only a fun book, but like a, a deep kind of look at family. And when I picked this up, I was like, okay, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try not to compare it. It's gonna be fine. And it was amazing, like in its own very distinct way. Um, it has, you know, a different feel from the chicken sisters, but that is, I would think what, what you'd want. Um, but this is definitely a book I think that stands so well on its own merit without having to worry about like living up to its predecessor. Well, thank you so much. I'm just trying to let those words soak in because those, that's really, <laughs> that's really great. Um, that's thank you. Thank you. Was it hard for you to write like, did you do kind of those like inner comparisons to your first book and the characters in your first book? Like, was it hard to transition? Um, I actually started this long before the Chicken Sisters actually came out. And in ah. fact, we sold it before the Chicken Sisters came out. So it is my second oh. book, but I did not have to deal with um, the success of the Chicken Sisters. I had to deal with it while, while I was revising 
and that did cause me some some hiccups but by and large it, it was finished although it's 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 pretty different um that is is the truth but i had already i had already brought it off to some extent so so i had that going for me and that's you know that's that's always that's that's the best advice anyone could possibly give you once you start submitting the the book that you're finished with, which you shouldn't still be working on when you're submitting it. Um, start Probably working not. on the next one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because so, the publishing process know, is is slow. Yeah. So um, so no, it was done, and I was really I was really pleased with it. And then I went through a crisis of, of faith with it while I was revising it because I think that's probably just just standard so I did endure the sort of oh my god the second book's not going to be as good as, as the first um and still do definitely now that it's out in the world and the chicken sisters has been uh, much loved and that delights me um but people seem to be liking this too and this is kind of fun because if you mostly by and large if you're reading this it's probably because you like the chicken sisters and um you know, as much as I, Reese Witherspoon was the best thing that could possibly have happened to me as an author, it's also kind of fun to see the book just have to make its own way. Right. And I think it does. I think it definitely, it has a lot to, to recommend it. One of the things that I loved about the Chicken Sisters and that I loved about this as well is that the stakes are high. And I, I say this whenever I talk about your books, um, <laughs> the stakes are high in a very personal way. Like we're not talking about things that affect sort of the, like the world as a whole. We're talking about things that are very important to these particular characters. Um, but it's not like a life and death thing. It's, it's a very kind of internally high situation. And I love that kind of investment where you're, you're wanting them to succeed because you know, that it's like the best, you know, the best thing for them mm -hmm. as opposed to like, oh, you know, you're going to save someone's life if you do this or, you know, save a, a town or whatever. Um, I think there's something very special about these types of books that look deeply into the lives of the characters and let us see the things that are really important. Well, for, for most of us, those are the big, those are the big adventures we have. Those are the, yes. the internal adventures. Um, and as, as fun as an external adventure can be to read, most of us don't really, I, I would vastly prefer never to have anyone's life in my hands. Um, yes. Yes, I think that would probably be. I think um, it'd be for the, the best, best for everyone concerned. Yeah. To like live your life, you know, uh -huh. without having to like <laughs> somehow engage in these super big kind of grandiose adventures. Yeah. So do you have a favorite thing about this book? Um, I really enjoyed getting to write the farm. I, you know, we, yes. we live on a farm that is, it is not as intense as this one. And we do not have to make a living for it from it. Uh, thank goodness. Because uh, my awareness of how incredibly impossible that would be is high because, you know, we are here and we, we are doing this. <laughs> At some point, my editor was like, you know, they hay that field twice during the story. I was like, yeah, because we do that twice every year, sometimes three times. And she's like, can we, can we just do that once? <laughs> maybe one, maybe one haying scene is enough. I was like, oh, you're probably right. Okay. So, so I said, we cut that back. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed being able to put that um, piece of my life 
onto the page, but not in a, it's a, it's a, it's a very different version of it. So in the Chicken Sisters, we kind of move back and forth between the two characters. But in this book, we stick exclusively to Rhett's point of view. Um, And I'm wondering kind of what went into that. Like, was it a difficult decision to kind of stick just with her and not give us things from, say, Jasmine's point of view or from her mother's point of view? There was a version of this that alternated with with a very different version of Jasmine. Um, ah. That's a long, long, long time. And then I was like, oh, you can't do that twice. And then I would just slap myself around and say, yes, you can. Like nobody ever looks at Ellen Hildebrand and says, no more sisters on Nantucket. Um, right. you know, we're, we're all like, yes, more sisters on Nantucket, please. All the sisters on all the islands. <laughs> that's what we want. Right. So that wasn't it. Um, it just became very much... Uh, Rhett's story and then the uh, it was in the third person for a long time and it just developed that the choices that Rhett makes are for such extremely particular and internal reasons it was really hard for me to bring the right reader along with her without being in her head like all the way in her head not just kind of so that was the final big change that that took place here was to put it really all the way in Rhett's perspective because you really need to hear her thinking um right because otherwise I think it's really hard to understand like all of her motivations and why does she feel in these very specific ways Mm -hmm. um, and choose to deal with the world around her in these really specific ways. Yeah, and as it as it turned out, the question of the truth coming out about her and Jasmine and their and their little uh, ruse, while it is huge, was not the big thing that's at stake. I, right. There was, you know, there was an iteration of the book in which I felt like that was the big thing that was at stake, um, but it was obviously going to come out. And then it, I realized that it was not that that's that's not that's not the point. It wasn't the point at all. So. Um, so yeah, this went through a lot of um, revisions before it, it became before it became itself. So when you were writing it, did you know kind of at the end like where you wanted the characters to end up, or did that evolve for you during the writing process? Um, it it evolved. I mean, I knew you know the, the minute Red and Jasmine pulled that trick, which is really where the, that really, that, that beginning has been with me the whole time. The minute they pulled that off, it has to undo. Like it can't, obviously can't last. Right. It's, it's going to blow up in their face. So the, the question was both um, how and also, and why, and really what, what would they do? Like, what did they need to get out of having done this? And what would they do? to make it blow up because, you know, you could, you could write a version in which it, it, it all sort of happens for external story reasons, but that's not very interesting to read. Um, it needed to be their choices in particular, Rhett's choices that sort of uh, led to the, the dissolution of this, this literary fraud that they, that they have perpetrated on the world. I think one of the deepest parts of this novel is Rhett's struggle with her mother and and their relationship. And I feel this very deeply as a reader who, 
you know, struggles to be sort of the daughter that I think, you know, my mother would want um, versus like the woman that I actually am. And I think there's just something so poignant about examining yourself, not only through your own lens, but through the lens that you sort of perceive your mother uses. Um, I think it's, you know, that there's a lot of, of depth in, in our relationships with, I think, our mothers more so than with anyone else in some ways. So I loved kind of seeing Rhett struggle to come to terms with who she is and how her mother views her. And like, if those things don't line up, you know, is or isn't that okay for her? Right. And, um, you know, there's, there's the additional fact that what she thinks is the way she thinks her mother views her is both right and wrong. Right. Uh, So, you know, it can't just be all along. I thought my mother wanted to, you know, wanted me to be X, but it turns out my mom just wants me to be happy. I mean, that's a story and that's a thing. And it's probably true in many cases, but there's, there's more to it here because, you know, we as mothers do want, you know, lots of parents do want specific things for their kids and they need to, you know, come to terms with that too. So I can definitely see a version of this in which we hear from Margaret. Um, I did mm-hmm. never write, I did never write that one. So I, I don't have that out there, but I, I mean, I, I know, I certainly know, you know, what she's, what she's thinking and where she is. And in the end, I mean, not to, it's not a really a spoiler, but Red is pretty much right about what her mother thinks, but she's not really exactly right about why. Right. That's what I was going to say. She she understands sort of the like the the surface of it, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily what prompted all of those things. Right. And maybe Margaret didn't really understand what prompts it either. And once she does, that's when it becomes easier. You know, that's when it they both becomes it becomes possible for them to move, you know, at least a little bit closer. So now that this is in the world and has been for, we are a little bit over a week um, (laughs) after a publication at the time of recording, what can we expect next from you? Um, I have finished a new draft, but we haven't, yeah, we haven't sold it yet. So I don't, I don't know. I can tell you that if you ever get this, it will be witches and stolen magical tarot cards. But there's always the chance that you won't get this. So if you read my next book and you're like, there are no witches, then you'll know. (laughs) I needed to do something else. That seems like a, like a big departure from kind of the stuff you've done. It is. And yet it isn't. It's witches and magical tarot cards with terrible relationships with their mother who don't know what will ha- make them happy. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So it's, it's still, I mean, it's still the same, but different, but yeah, there's a, there's the, uh, there's always exists the chance that those will never see the light of day and, and, and it'll be something else, but it'll be, something. it'll be something else. Exactly. <laughs> it'll be something. Well, as a, a witchy person who does um, the occasional tarot reading when I'm not chatting about books, um, I, am, I am in favor of this. <laughs> I hope it works out. I really enjoyed writing it, and I think it's pretty fun. So we'll see. Oh, we'll I see. hope so, too. I well, hope so, know. too, because we need more witchy books. We do. In the world. There are a bunch of them. Like, I think they're kind of experiencing a moment right now. They where, are, it's like, true. Witches are, are around a lot, um, but I don't think we can ever 
have enough of them. We can't have too many. We can't have no. too many. So yes, it is my it is my hope that you know next October might see a witchy book from me. But again, you can't control the publishing world, so I don't know whether no. that will be true or not. But meanwhile, I get a lot of, of witchy books to read, so that's always fun. Well, I like there them. is nothing wrong with that. No. The more witchy books you read, the better the world is. I very yes. firmly believe this. Agreed. Speaking of things that you've read, whether they're witchy or not, what have you read recently that you um, want the world to fall in love with? I really, this is not witchy, but it is strange. It's called The Boys by Katie Hafner. And if you were a fan of We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves um, from, I think, Karen Fowler. Oh my gosh, yes. So that, but but different. And also that in that I can't really tell you very much about this book, other than that if you read the back or the, the inside flap and it sounds good, you'll like it. Um, it's really well done and super fun. So, ah. so there was that. And then I am also really enjoying The Truth About Ben and Jane. I am on chapter oh. 37 of 40, so I haven't quite finished. But I feel quite, I have great faith that this novel is going to end well. well. So this is like a dual point of view marriage story about how we change when we have kids. But it's really different than any that I've ever read before. And I'm very much enjoying it. Also, one of the characters is a dancer, which is a movie, which is an experience I don't have. So that's pretty cool to get a, a a point of view that's from that really different physical perspective. I love it. It's really good. So yeah, I am on hold. I hope your hold comes through soon. Oh, I do too. I do too. Sometimes uh, libraries, um, you know, I I see all the things that I I could have, right? Like I could, (laughs) I could have this and this and this. And then I look and they're all like, place a hold. I'm like, but but no, like, (laughs) can't I have it now? It's a gift for your future self. And the fun thing about those holds is you don't know what will come through. So you're like, it's true. It's on my TBR, but I, my TBR is sort of like, it's a rotating thing that I can't control, which is fun. So. Yes. I think I have 27 library (laughs) holds currently. That's Um, awesome. There should be like a, 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 who has the most library holds Instagram competition. (laughs) Well, I have eight libraries that I, (laughs) That, you are dedicated. That's impressive. Oh yeah. My partner laughs at me always because there's like this whole ritual that I go through like on Tuesdays when new books are coming out and I have to like look at all the libraries and see like what they have and what's going to give me like the best hold position. Um, <laughs> Where's your best if, shot at getting this or that or yes. the other. That's uh-huh. awesome. Yes. Well, it's, put a hold now. Uh, if anybody's got Julia Whelan's, um, oh uh, yeah, yeah, put a hold on that, and I, you might just want to buy that one. It's so oh. good, and I'm pretty sure it's probably coming out in paperback. So that's a, it's a more doable. Wait a minute, the first one or the second one? The second, her like, new one is called "Thank You for Listening." Yes, in August. Yes, it's, I had an advance, and it's so good, oh. so good. Probably the best romance I've read this year. Advanced copies are. Like the most amazing thing in the world. They are joyful. It's true. Yes. Yes, they are. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for talking with me about In Her Boots. And I really, really hope we get a witchy book from you next <laughs> year. You. That would be like super amazing. <laughs> me too. Thank you. 
Can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? The two best things to do would be to subscribe to my not particularly weekly email in which I send out a read, uh, a read and eat and a listen. So something to read, something to either make or just buy at the store and eat and something, usually an audiobook or usually a podcast, because that's what I love. Or you can follow me on Instagram where you get even more books, but not usually the reads and the eats and the listens. Yeah, I'm a pretty prolific bookstagrammer. And do you caption your Instagram photos? As in like for somebody who can't see? Correct. No, um, I don't. As um, you you are speaking to a podcast that is run exclusively by a group of women who cannot see. And so Instagram is the bane of our existence for that very reason. I can understand that. All photos. Um, And it's very, very hard to, you know, sort of like people always ask me, oh, does the podcast have an Instagram page? No, (laughs) no, that wouldn't be fun. Well, the women of Book Bistro do encourage alt text or like, you know, image descriptions. (laughs) Right. Yes. At the beginning. or Anywhere at all. Anywhere. Anywhere. You'll take it. In the post. Like as long as, you know, there's an image. As long as it says, you know, image description, and you know, a cat sleeping on the back of the couch. Okay, good. Right. Got because it. That's all I need. Now I know that we're using a cat sleeping on the back of the couch to discuss, uh, you know, your exhaustion with July or whatever, yes. you know, whatever yes. you've, you've chosen to do. Because, yeah, yes. and it just, it used to just be, here's this cool picture, but it is so far from right. that now. So far. Yes. Well, again, I I want to thank you for taking time to chat with me. I really enjoyed both of your books and I am looking forward to promoting them for a long time to come. Thank you so much. Um, I really, I really appreciate that. All right. So let's talk about new books. I'm starting today with one of Stacy's most anticipated January releases. This is Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne. Now I'm moving on to some books that you haven't heard us mention previously. We are beginning this section with Recovery Road, Torpedo Inc., book six by Christine Fian. Now these are listed as paranormal romances and I'm not familiar with this series. When I first looked at the um, synopsis for the first book, it seemed like it was kind of a motorcycle club, like romantic suspense series. But from this synopsis, it looks like there might be some paranormal stuff going on. So I am not clear. I have never actually read this series, although I have read a couple of Fian's other books. So if you are a fan of the series, you probably know way more about it than I do. But this is Recovery Road, Torpedo, Inc., number eight by Christine Fian. Shifting gears to some historical romance here, we have Her Lessons in Persuasion, School for Scoundrels, book one by Megan Frampton. So Megan Frampton writes books kind of on the the lighter side of historical romance. They are very, very witty, very funny. Um, The characters don't take themselves too seriously in most cases. So 
This is a new series of hers, and it is, once again, her Lessons in Persuasion, Schools for School for Scoundrels, book one by Megan Frampton. And the incomparable Joanna Shoup has a new book out this week as well. This is The Duke Gets Even, Fifth Avenue Rebels, book four. And again, this is by Joanna Shoup. She writes such amazing Gilded Age era historical romances. They're usually set in New York City. Um, a couple of her books have had really cool disability representation. But I've just loved everything that I've read by her, whether it's set in England or in New York. I think she's mostly known now for her Gilded Age books, but her first trilogy of books is set um, in, in London. So this, once again, is The Duke Gets Even, and it is Fifth, Ab excuse me, Fifth Avenue Rebels, book four by Joanna Shoup. So we move from historical romance to straight up historical fiction with a book that is currently on my pre-order list. This is When You See Her by Barbara Bone Miller. This is set in the 1970s, and it is about a woman who joins a carnival sideshow in order to take control of her life, keeping herself kind of out of the hands of her abusive brother. Carnivals and circuses, like I know that they're not great things in real life, but there's something about them that have always fascinated me in fiction. So I am very, very excited to pick this one up. Once again, this is When You See Her by Barbara Bowen Miller. We also have a new Gabriella Saab book. This one is Daughters of Victory. And it is a book that spans history from like the Russian Revolution into the Nazi occupation. Her first book, The Last Checkmate, um, also focused well, I guess I shouldn't say also, but focused more on just the Second World War. So here we see Russian history over a period of time. So this, once again, is Daughters of Victory, and it's by Gabriella Saab. I have a couple of mysteries here. We have Don't Open the Door. This is Regan Merritt, book two by Alison Brennan. We have talked about Alison Brennan quite a bit on the podcast, mostly her Lucy Kincaid books, um, sometimes her trilogy, the name of which I cannot remember, but it's um, The Hunt, The Prey, The Kill. And so we have talked about her quite a bit, but this series is not at all related to the Lucy Kincaid books or any other series that I can tell. Um, the first book, I think, is called The Sorority Murders. I am pretty behind in Alison Brennan's writing, not just not for any real reason other than there are so many things to read and so many series to keep up with. But I have always really liked the twists that she puts into her books and the way she's able to keep the reader captivated, like pretty much from the first page. So this is Don't Open the Door. And it's Regan Merritt, book two, by Alison Brennan. We also have Against the Current. This is Spice Isle Bakery Mystery, book one by Olivia Matthews. This looks like it might be a little bit more on the cozy 
end of the mystery spectrum. Um, and that's not usually something that I tend to read, but I do like bakeries and this whole kind of thing about the owner of the bakery getting into an altercation with someone who later ends up dead and now she is a suspect did kind of pique my interest. So this may be something that I pick up as time goes by. This is Against the Current Spice Isle Bakery Mystery, book one by Olivia Matthews. We also have a YA thriller. This is Live Your Best Lie by Jesse Weaver. I am very, very excited about this. I'm actually on my library's hold list, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think I am first in line to receive it, which means it will be here in not very many hours. So this is very, very good. Um, I love books where you can't really trust the narrator of the story, and that looks exactly like what this is. So I will be reading this very, very soon. It's Live Your Best Lie by Jesse Weaver. So I want to switch gears again, because, you know, that's what we do in these episodes. And I want to talk about some young adult stuff since we just did a YA thriller. So Emma Lord has a new book out this week, and it is called Begin Again. It's set on a college campus featuring a very close friend group with very cool dynamics from what I understand. In fact, this is one of the things that early reviewers talk most about when referencing this book, that the dynamics between the friends are just awesome. Um, she has written a few different books. Some of them are kind of more like family dramas. Some have a little bit of romance, but she's been on my radar for a while, as so many people have. So this is Begin Again. And it's by Emma Lord. Next, I'm going to talk about Tess Sharp, who is an author I really, really like. I've read two of her previous books and was just enchanted by, by them both. Um, the Girls I've Been, I think, is the one that I liked the best. But anything she writes appeals to me. So this one is Six Times We Almost Kissed. And one time we did. And again, it's by Tess Sharp. It is a YA romance. It looks like it has some queer elements to it, which I'm always on the lookout for. And Tess Sharp is so skilled in her writing. Her characters feel so relatable, even when the circumstances they find themselves in are not circumstances that most of us are familiar with. So this is Six Times We Almost Kissed. And One Time We Did by Tess Sharp. Lastly, I want to talk about some young adult fantasy. Um, just one bit of young adult fantasy here. This is Spice Road. Spice Road, book one by Mia Ibrahim. This is historical fantasy. So it is not set in like our current time. And it looks like it's set in a world that's not very different from our own, just sort of infused with mythology and magic. I don't know much more about it, but its online reviews are very, very positive, And I am excited for it. It is Spice Road by Mia Ibrahim. And again, that is the first book in the Spice Road series. So that is all I have for you this week. 
I hope all of you are staying safe and warm. I hope that you are not in the path of any winter weather or any other inclement weather, really. There seems to be a lot of that floating around here. And of course, I hope that as always, you are staying incredibly well read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.